Hey gang, welcome to The Real Housewives of Riverdale, the podcast where grown-ass adults take sexy teen murder mysteries just as seriously as you do. I'm your host, Shree, and I am joining you today from the brink of a sinus infection. So if you're wondering why I sound like sexy snuffleupagus, it's because I'm allergic to literally all trees, all grasses, and the freaking cedar trees in Texas are popping right now. So if you can get past all the phlegm and self-deprecation, we can talk about season one, episode four of The Last Picture Show. Also, I'm on all of the antihistamines right now, so, like, um, shit's about to get real dry real quick, and you're probably going to hear me take many a water break. Anyway, okay, so we start with Jughead furiously tippity-tapping on his laptop at Pops. It's been a week since they've discovered Jason's body. Um, the Twilight Drive-In, where Jughead works so he can afford the freaking gallons of coffee he drinks at Pops, is closing, and Jughead is pissed so remember in the pilot when I was like hey pay attention to that they told us literally in the first minute of the episode that this place is closing and Jughead acts like it's this humongous deal at least a full week later <laughs> so anyway he also says that Riverdale is paranoid like Salem during the witch trials because you know people giving their neighbors the side eye is totes the same as hanging women for having moles oh my god so extra. He calls Betty a Hitchcock blonde as she's writing in her diary about her newfound theories on Archie and Grundy being at the river at the same time on the 4th of July. Uh, Fred and Archie are at Grundy's recital in a gazebo, or a gazebo, for all of you PLL Hannum fans. Um, Fred thinks Grundy is amazing, and Archie says she's incredible, dot dot dot, in bed, or at least he does with his face. Um, Fred turns on that sweet Luke Perry suave that makes all of our old lady hearts skip a beat. And Archie is super awkward teen and wants to leave and thanks Miss Grundy. Bye. <laughs> but Fred invites her to dinner and she's like, um, no, I'm literally molesting your child. So I shouldn't impose, but he insists. So she, uh, she concedes and agrees. Um, back at Pops, uh, Betty, Jughead, Veronica, and Kevin are all hanging out. And by hanging out, I mean sitting together while Jughead flips out about the drive-in. Like, perhaps lay off the caffeine, my dude. Uh, Kevin insists no more Tarantino quotes and is so over Jug's overreaction. Well, buckle up, Kev, because Jughead has zero chill about anything. Um, Veronica... I think is right when she says in this day and age of Netflix and VOD do people really want to watch a movie in a car? I mean who even goes there? And Kevin answers with people who want to buy crack and Jughead answers with cinephiles and car enthusiasts but you know as much as I love a good retro night if there is an option between going out, spending two hours in my car, everybody can see me or my couch, it's Couch City every time. Betty is totally lost in thought and can clearly not give a shit less about the drive-in. Like <laughs> She's just like, uh-huh, while she stares at her milkshake. An anonymous buyer made Mayor McCoy an offer she couldn't refuse, and Veronica is so incredulous by the anonymous nature of the buyer. She's like, who even cares? Right to Jughead's face when, girl, you and I know it's dumb, and seriously, 
like, he's acting like a two-year-old who just learned that Chuck E. Cheese is closing, or me, when I learned that my favorite neighborhood grocery store had closed. I'm like, no, really, I cried. Actual tears. <laughs> but clearly, Jughead cares. A lot. You might say too much. Even though he's mad at everyone not caring, he still thinks everyone should come to the closing night of the drive-in and is even open to suggestions about which movie to show because his only choice that he can think of as American Beauty might be too on the nose. Veronica wants the movie to be anything starring Audrey Hepburn or Kate Blanchett, and Kevin wants the talented Mr. Ripley. So, theory time. <laughs> the Talented Mr. Ripley is a movie about a gay guy who pretends to be someone else. So, like, I mean, there's a lot more to the, to that plot line, but that's basically the broad strokes, and we all know my thoughts about Kevin and how his name sounds so much like killer. So, read into that what you will. Oblivious Betty says, I don't know, maybe Rebel Without a Cause, and Jughead grins like she just said, I don't know, like Toy Story or something really adorable. Hermione is waitressing while they're there, and Cheryl says... Had she known that Mama Lodge was going to be working at Pops, she wouldn't have let V on the River Vixens because it sends a false message of, of acceptance and because she's the worst. But her minions kind of like Veronica for publicly humiliating Chuck, even though they were the ones slut-shaming her at school. <laughs> Those girls. Cheryl responds to them having their own opinions by being a super bitch to Hermione. And Ronnie starts to stand up. Um, to Cheryl, but Hermione stops her and, and tells Cheryl, Cheryl, I knew your mother in high school, and she didn't know the difference between having class and having money either, and an entire fandom in unison tweeted gifts of everyone reacting to a solid burn. It was awesome. Uh, in walks the Andrews men with Miss Grundy. Betty is shocked, and Jughead tries to stop her from going over there and confronting Archie, but she, Betty's gonna do Betty. Um, Betty makes Archie go outside, and she asks him if there is anything he wants to tell her, and he acts dumb. So when she says, I know Grundy was at the river, was she with you? He does the tropey dumb kid mistake of saying, did Jughead tell you, instead of denying it. Like, when will these fictional characters learn how to back up a good lie? <laughs> you always deny, deny, deny. Uh, back inside, we get probably my most favorite Veronica scene, where she's like, do we know what they're talking about? Is it me? <laughs> Jughead says, no, but he won't say what it's about, because he's just too emo. So he curls up into a little emo ball, and so she tells him, you do you, girl. I'll be back. Kevin asked Jughead what it was like before she showed up, because he honestly can't remember. Without realizing that Ronnie is behind them, Archie confesses. <laughs> to his um to his affair with Miss Grundy. Betty tells him it's illegal because it is and Veronica asks if, if she's his booty tutor. Like, what is she to you? A booty tutor? <laughs> I laughed out loud at that. So if that's one of those like new kid sayings, I like it. I'm there for it. That's awesome. Um sorry, I'm having to turn up the air conditioner because it's really hot in here. Um so if you hear that I'm sorry. Okay, Betty's mostly mad that Archie lied, but Archie says, she believed in me when nobody did. And you know what? Fuck you with that bullshit, Archie. Everyone in this town, with the exception of maybe Alice Cooper, is in love with the Wonder Boy that is Archie Andrews. Before Betty can argue my point, though, 
Alice peels up to them in the woody wagon and makes Betty leave. Uh, Veronica looks on at Archie with pity and says, Oh, Archie Kins, you're in it deep this time. <laughs> Quite the understatement, V. Uh, Betty is writing all of this drama in her diary and then decides to Google or quote-unquote sleuthster Geraldine Grundy. Sleuthster is going to be their search engine for everything. And I think it's the same one for like all the teen shows. I think everybody uses Sleuthster. Uh, oh wait, no, on PLL they used Exter. Whatever. Either way, it's stupid. Uh, back at Pops, Cheryl and her hair models of the damned are sitting in Jason's convertible listening to music like it's actually 1956. Uh, when she notices Hermione talking to a one Mr. Skeet Ulrich from such creepy films as The Craft and Scream. Uh, she calls him a Southside Serpent, but we don't know what that is yet, unless you've read the little Archie comics and you know that it's a rival tricycle gang from the other side of town. Yeah, really. That was a thing. It's actually kind of cute. Uh, then we get the title card. Archie tries to give Jughead shit for not telling him that Betty knew about Grundy while he's passing out flyers to the Twilight Drive-In's closing night. And how are there still physical flyers? Make a Facebook event like a normal 2017 teen. And you know what? Maybe teenagers don't use Facebook because I'm, I'm pretty sure I've heard it referred to as like the old people social media, but there's gotta be another like hip way to invite people because I'm pretty sure that there aren't many kinkos around anymore so I don't know how you get those uh, Jughead says that by nature he's a conscientious objector and not saying anything to Betty or Archie was the most moral road he could take and if there was even an iota of a chance that Betty would hurt Archie there's no way she would do it um, and he asked Archie what do you want from Grundy anyway and he says Archie says that he wants to be with Grundy, <laughs> and Jughead um, says that he has similar feelings towards the drive-in, because they're all, they're both a lot older, which I get was supposed to be a joke, but <laughs> it's also kind of creepy, um, and if I was Archie, I'd be like, fuck you, <laughs> but he pretends to interview Grundy for the blue and gold to get more details from her past, and Grundy apparently used to tater, used to tater, used to tutor Jason Blossom. So I think we all wonder if Jason went there with her because she calls him an inspiration. And we all know how the whole town thinks Archie looks like Jason. So did maybe she try to get Jason, but he wasn't into it because he was dating Polly. And she took that and ran with Archie. I don't know. It's, it's all fan theories that never like comes to light. Uh, Betty tries to get Grandy to crack by mentioning that Jason was pretty cute, right? And realizing that Betty is not as naive as Archie, and she might know something, she totally shuts down and says, I don't see my students that way, and gets up and leaves. So, um, at the student lounge, Kevin is whining that he won't get the quintessential rite of passage of going to the movies with a boyfriend, and Veronica um, says, you know, I can't promise you any action, but why don't you come with me? And his response is, another night, another hag. And I feel like that could be the title for my memoir from high school. Like, instead of riding in cars with boys, mine would just be riding in cars pretending to be a girlfriend to a guy with a boyfriend so he won't get his ass kicked at school. All the glory days, am I right? Cheryl walks in and shows Veronica the picture she took of Hermione with a Southside serpent. 
And Veronica asks, who or what is a Southside Serpent? So we can get some good exposition here. Kevin says that they're a gang of bikers who pretty much stay on the south side of town and thank goodness because they're pretty dangerous. Drug dealers and petty thieves. And you know what? That's not dangerous, Kevin. That's how people survive through poverty, my dude. Like, that's not dangerous at all. Some might say that the north side is actually more dangerous because there are actual kids dying and being molested. So, glass houses. At home, um, at the Pembroke, Rana confronts Hermione about the Southside Serpent thing, and Hermione lies and says that she went to high school with him, and she was just being polite. He made a lewd comment, and she just put him in his place. And when has she ever lied to Veronica? And the look on Veronica's face says she's not quite so sure anymore. Um, Jughead is at the mayor's office trying to stop the demolition of the drive-in because he is a child. The mayor has to tell him that it's run down and the deal is done. Andrew's construction is due to start demolition on Monday. Stop it, kid. That is not how business works. At Pops, Betty and Veronica confront Archie with all of their sluicer results for Grundy, including a picture of a woman by the same name who died seven years ago. And this is the Miss Grundy we all remember from the comics, with the white hair pulled back into a tight bun and a polka dot dress. So Archie is insulted that his friends care about him, and he takes a page from Grundy's playbook and totally guilts Betty with, if you're really my friend, you'll let this go. And even though she knows it's wrong to stop advocating for her best friend, she says she's done. Since they can't go to the drive-in like everyone else, because, you know, laws and stuff, our team Grundy watched Charlie Chaplin's The Tramp via film reel at her house. Like, where did they even get that? At most, she's 35, not 85. Like, she might have a VHS copy with, <laughs> with a VCR, but there's no way she has a film reel and, like, an actual machine to play it in her living room. Oh, this show. Um, he says that, you know, they always talk about him and he wants to learn about her. So she gives him this, like, entire fake backstory and he believes it. And he asks, what about us? Is, is this a dream? And she says, if it is a dream, it's a nice one. <laughs> but, you know, really, only because dreams aren't punishable by a court of law, so... You know, it might be better if it's dream. He asks her, where does this end, Geraldine? And she says, I have no idea, but we're here and that's enough for me. And <laughs> it's enough for her because she only cares about one thing and that's molesting teenagers. Outside of Grundy's house, Betty and Veronica go up to the now iconic blue Volkswagen Beetle that Miss Grundy uses to get around town with and, you know, pick up underage boys. Betty starts to break in, which Veronica is very curious about how she even knows how to do that. And Betty says she knows how to break into cars because she and her dad fix up old cars, which, you know, doesn't totally explain it, but whatever. They get in and they start snooping and find a driver's license with Grundy's picture. But the name is Jennifer Gibson. Oh, and a gun. Yeah, they find a gun. <laughs> Veronica calls Betty... Um, Miss Guyver, and that's probably my favorite description of Betty ever. <laughs> She'll be referred to as Nancy Drew a bunch, but Miss Guyver is, is amazing. Um, after the commercial break, Archie walks out, presumably post-coital, 
and sees the girls hovering and is pissed. So they show him the proof for why he should be concerned. He's still pissed, but at least he's pissed and educated, I guess. Uh, Jughead continues his campaign to save the drive-in and tries to reason with Fred to not demolish it because, you know, that's how business works, right? You can just, like, go up to a construction crew and be like, please don't do this. I really like it. And they'll be like, oh, okay. We'll just back out of a job that is, you know, putting food on all of our tables. Silly little boy. Um, Jughead is upset that Fred apparently fired his dad from the construction crew, but Fred tells him that his dad was stealing materials. And Jughead is, he's still an emo dick when Fred is totally right. Like, you can't steal shit and keep your job. Um, The mayor and Hermione have the most soap opera style meeting, and apparently Lodge Industries is the anonymous buyer for the drive-in in exchange for a sizable donation to the mayor's re-election campaign. So, remember how, like, they had all their money taken, and I don't know, it just seems to me like they have money when it's, um, when it's convenient for them, but Hermione's also having to work as a waitress to feed them, so, I don't know, whatever. Um, at Grundy's house, Archie confronts her about her real name, and she looks like, she just shit her pants. Like, no, really. She even bends a little bit at the waist. She, she um, tells him that she's a victim of domestic violence, and that's why she had to change her name and move. The gun is for protection in case her ex finds her. But meeting Archie made her feel safe. And God damn it, I was on her side for a second until she dragged Archie into her bullshit. Like, maybe she was an actual, you know, victim of domestic violence and, you know, hashtag believe women. And I do believe her. So if she had to run and, you know, if she has a gun to protect herself to feel safe, that's fine. But you don't seduce underage boys as part of your safety net. Like, you can't, you can't be awful as an answer to someone being awful to you. Like, awful to a third person. You can be awful back, you know, whatever. But don't be awful to a kid who's innocent. At the Keller house, we get a murder board. Uh, Kevin asks his dad if he can borrow the truck for the drive-in, and he tells him that he's taking Veronica. So Tom, or Sheriff Keller, his first name is Tom, asks, isn't there a nice gay kid at school? And Kevin says, yeah, me. <laughs> so I'm I just want to say I'm super happy that they didn't do the tropey thing by making Kevin's dad either oblivious to the fact that his kid is gay or unapproving of, of Kevin's sexual orientation. I love that not only is Kevin not afraid to live his true self with his very macho dad, but Tom encourages him to get out there and date. And I think that's awesome because if it were any other show and, or even if it were any other character on this show, any male character, they're dad would be like, yeah, get out there, find a nice girl. So I think it's awesome that um, Sheriff Keller is so encouraging to his son. Um, Hal and Alice knock on Fred's door and awkwardly ask him to keep Archie away from Betty, which that's got to be an awkward conversation. Fred says, you know, Archie's a good kid, but Alice responds with the fact that she lives next door and she sees Archie sneak out at all hours of the night. And you know, she's not entirely off base. Like maybe not so much to try to keep the kids separated, but he is sneaking out 
like shirtless and running through the town, I'm not so sure that, you know, I would say he's being a super good kid right now. It's suspicious anyway. And speaking of the devils, Betty and Archie are walking home and he tells her about Grundy's past. And Betty tells him he is in over his head. Like, okay, so she she has a jaded past and that's why she had to change her name and fine, but that's a lot for a 15-year-old to take on and it really is even if she has all of the best intentions, is this really what is best for Grundy? So he tells her, you know, I'm going to take care of it, but it's going to be on my own terms. And I guess by taking care of it, he means breaking up with Grundy. Um, at the Pembroke, we get this really short scene, short scene that's just exposition, 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 with uh, Smithers walking in with some dry cleaning and Hermione just basically saying that she's going with Fred. So that I feel like we didn't really need that scene. But the Cooper house, Alice is putting away Betty's clean clothes and finds Grundy's gun. So the obvious next step is to read Betty's diary. And you know what? If I found a gun in my daughter's drawer, I would immediately go to her literal book of secrets next. That's being a good parent. Like, people want to shit on Alice for this. But you know what? She did the right thing. Clearly, her daughter is in some deep shit, and she needs to know what's going on. So when Betty gets home, Alice tells her, get in the car. <laughs> and I'm, I'm with Alice right now. <laughs> That's going to change in a second, but I'm, I'm totally with her for right now. Um, so at the drive-in, it turns out Jughead went with Betty's choice of Rebel Without a Cause, and Veronica and Kevin are cuddled under a blanket in the back of his dad's pickup. When Cheryl comes up, just parks right in front of them, like, instead of finding, a, like, a little stall to park in. And she makes them move for her. And why? She's been awful to them. They're supposed to just let her in on their party? Like, where where were her little friends? Were her Heather wannabes busy for the night and un unable to hang in the front seat of her car like they did the night before it pops? Fred and Hermione are there. And as soon as Hermione gets out to, quote-unquote, go buy popcorn, Alice scares the shit out of all of us. <laughs> she knocks on Fred's window like she's being chased by Freddy Krueger. Like, I know I jump every time I watch this episode. Um, she tells him that he needs to come with her, and it concerns the kids. So, including Archie. And Fred will not put up with her bullshit, but if it, if it concerns his kid, he's going to go. Because he's an actual good dad. And as much as I don't like Alice's personality, I'm super glad she stepped in, at least for Archie's sake. Because, you know, maybe he wouldn't have broken up with Grundy and, you know, but thanks to Alice, he did. Um, the Southside Serpents are being super disruptive. I mean, that's so dangerous to talk during a movie. Gosh. Um, Kevin tells him to shh, like it's going to work. And he makes eye contact with a very handsome young man who is apparently with his own hag and lawn chairs. Uh, Veronica gets them to shut up by being extra and even does a little curtsy. Um, Kevin goes to the concession counter and Veronica sees her mom sneak off with Skeet again. Kevin asks uh, for a hot dog, but they're all out. Figures. <laughs> nice. Been there, Kev. Been there. Uh, the cute serpent stops him and tells him that he's not so tough without his beard. And we're all like, oh, shit. 
Um, so we learned that as long as Hiram is in jail, Skeet will have to deal with Hermione. And Veronica listens to all of that. In the music room at school, so I guess, again, school is totally open at night, or at least the music room is, um, Archie gifts Grundy with a cello bow. He says he pawned one of his guitars to buy it. How many guitars does he have when he literally just took up music a couple of months ago? She starts to, like, caress his chest, but he stops her and breaks up with her in a really, like, the most gentle way I've ever seen. So if you weren't paying close attention, you might not even know that he just broke up with her, but just when everything is amicable, Alice busts in with Betty and Fred, and Betty is super sorry, but her mom read her diary in which Betty kept meticulous notes. So back at the drive-in, Kevin and the gorgeous long-haired serpent are making out violently. Another nice turn. So just when you think Kevin is the victim of a hate crime, it turns out he's actually getting some action. You go, Kevin Keller. You go. The serpent's name is Joaquin, and Kevin gives him his number and says, use it. (laughs) And they kind of learn that they are both on the wrong sides of the track from each other, but he won't tell if he won't, and I think it's really sweet. In the music room, Archie insists that his relationship with Grundy was consensual, and Alice straight up victim blames him. I was on your side, Alice. Why? Betty tells her mom that she'll never stop being friends with Archie, and Archie says that he's selfish and stupid and doesn't deserve to be Betty's friend, but he's, but, you know, please don't hurt Grundy. Betty tells her mom that if Alice tells everyone about Grundy being a child molester, she'll tell everyone that she broke into Grundy's car, robbed her, and made the story up about her and Archie, and it'll be like she finally snapped, like Polly, because ultimately, Everyone in town already thinks the Cooper family is crazy, like mother, like daughter. So Grundy agrees to quit. She's so over all this drama. Um, Fred, you know, he agrees that Grundy leaving is best for everyone because she's hurting his child. Um, He doesn't want to hurt Archie's feelings, but I mean, what she's doing is wrong. So Grundy leaves, and we all shout, hooray! High five, team. We did it. Back at the Keller house, Tom asks Kevin how he liked the movie, and Kevin says, uh, quite the twist ending. (laughs) Made out with, uh, with somebody that I thought was very dangerous. Someone has broken into their house and stolen the murder board and all the files. At the Pembroke, Veronica tells Hermione that she saw her with Skeet. She wants details and specifics. So we get them in just a stream of exposition. Hiram hired the servants to decrease the value of the drive-in. He's the anonymous buyer. He sunk every last penny into this deal. Old Riverdale is dying, and he's just helping it along, Dr. Kevorkian style. Her dad did what he did to provide their life, so if she likes being fancy, she better get with it. And I get that to a point, but... I think it's fair for Veronica to want to make sure that they're on the right side of the law, considering her dad's in prison. And then we go to Fred's truck outside the Andrews house, and Archie is sad. And Fred tells him that he's not those things, he said. You aren't stupid. This wasn't your fault. Because Fred is genuinely a good parent. Archie cries and hugs him because he is just a kid. 
I love this scene because you really see how vulnerable Archie is. Like, I think KJ does excellent work showing that he, in fact, is just a kid who was manipulated by an adult and is left feeling very vulnerable in a way that an adult should never make a child feel. So Fred is there for him, and considering the disgusting catalyst for the scene, it's actually really beautiful. I'm glad that this is how they ended that scene. I'm, I think that that's really important to see. In Betty's room, Alice tries to be human, and she she's kind of crying a little bit. Like, she lets down her guard and tells Betty that Polly kept so many secrets. She won't have any more secrets between them because... Not, you know, not if she's going to keep Betty safe. <laughs> Rat Battle Betty says, what's my name, Mom? <laughs> she says, I'm Elizabeth, not Polly. Archie is not Jason, so quit using them as an excuse to control my life. Which is an excellent teenager argument. Um, I feel like that's something we've all said. Alice leaves defeated, and Betty starts a brand new diary. But girl, get one with a lock if you want to keep your secrets safe. Get one with a key. God. Um, but before she starts writing, she texts Archie to say that she's sorry. And for some reason, he's just sitting at his window looking into her room like a total creep. Um, but he acknowledges that she was just trying to help. That was weird staging, though. The next scene... Grundy is leaving town with her Slurpee, Lolita glasses, and Shaggin' Wagon. She makes googly eyes at some teenage boys, though, so if you thought that maybe she was just misunderstood and possibly wasn't a monster, here it fucking is. The second she doesn't have Archie, she's on the prowl. She is a predator. She is the worst. Bye, Felicia. At the drive-in, we learned that Jughead has been living in the projector room. Poor kid, this whole time. The reason why we didn't see his parents or his house is because he didn't have a house. Poor baby. There's a really cute picture of him and Jellybean as kids. So, on his way out, he tags the building with a can of spray paint saying Jughead Jones was here with a little crown, and I like that. But you would think that the poetic master of Riverdale High would use the W-A-S form of was and not the burnout with a pocket knife in the bathroom stall kind of way, spelled W-Z. But, you know, it's fine. I mean, we all put... I can't tell you how many <laughs> things in seventh grade I put Cherie was here like anybody would care. Skeet walks up to him and tells him that, you know, they're going to level this whole thing. But Jughead hopes that maybe they'll keep pieces of it in the city hall attic and maybe put it back together in a hundred years from now and wonder who we all were. He's so optimistic. Uh, Skeet asks him where he's going to live now and Jughead says he'll find somewhere. Dad. He always does. So, not only is the Southside Serpent, this man, getting paid by the lodges not only is he Jughead's dad he fucking knew that his kid was homeless and living in this building that he actively destroyed so that it would close down and I mean Jughead can't live at home for some reason and it must be bad like you don't just run away from home because 
you know, you don't like how your dad dresses or something, you know, there's, there's gotta be some shit that makes it bad enough that he takes off. Mm-hmm. And then now his dad helped shut down the one safe roof he had over his head. Excellent introduction into the show, Mr. Jones. It's nice to meet you. So yeah, that's Jughead's dad. Then we get the zzz, zzz, Riverdale. Alright, so the most Archie Comics moment for this episode, I think, is just the very idea of teenagers hanging out at a drive-in. Like, that that feels super 1950s. Rebel with a Cause is the movie. Um, you know, they've all got, like, snacks and stuff. I think that that's probably the biggest callback for me. Um, the best Blossom Burn. We didn't, we really didn't get much Cheryl in this episode. So I'm torn between, like, poverty shaming Hermione and calling her own friends hair models of the damned. <laughs> that was really funny. My good this week is that Grundy is gone and ultimately was not redeemed for her awful behavior. Just when you think they're going to be like, oh, but wait, you don't understand. Nope, she's still terrible. So good on them. Um, the bad, I'm going to say the constant flip-flopping of Alice Cooper, like, I mean, I guess it's good to give her character dimension, but, like, just when I'm relating to her, especially as a mother, they go and change it up so that I'm like, fuck, she's awful again. Um, The funny, I think, is just Kevin at the concession stand. Like, he keeps asking for more things and more things and more things, but then they didn't have hot dogs. Well, he, so he sees Moose making out with a girl in a car and turns back and asks for, for a hot dog, but they're all out. <laughs> and there's so, there's so much double entendre there. It's, it's, it's super rich. Um, for changes, I would write Jughead to be a little bit more bottled up and not quite so extra with his displeasure of the drive-in closing. Like, that was a lot. Um, for theories... I mean, this whole introduction of a gang of shady characters could open the murder suspect doors wide open. So, is is Jughead's dad involved with more than just Lodge Industries? Um, you know, we, we got a name for the guy that was making out with Kevin, so we know he's... Whenever they name somebody, they're going to come back. So, could Kevin be in on it? Or not Kevin, could Joaquin be on it? I will always think Kevin was in on it. You make your own theories with that. For Sabrina News, if you didn't listen to the Season 2, Episode 10 last week because you're still getting caught up, um, the only news I could really find is that filming is set to begin in February and is meant to wrap up by October, which could put the show's release on Netflix sometime early 2019. Um, Let's see. For Skeet's Dad Ram Corner, so... Now that you've been introduced to Skeet's character, he's a gang member and a neglectful father who apparently is so bad that his own son would rather live on the streets than at home. (laughs) Skeet Ulrich in real life, or at least on Instagram, is adorable. He's such a good dad to his twins. Um, I thought that he had, he also had like a three-year-old with another lady, but I might have misread those Instagram pictures. (laughs) Um, So this is typically where we discuss the cute comments that he would post on other cast members, um, you know, Instagram posts, but, um, this week was Skeet Ulrich's birthday, so happy birthday, Skeet! On Instagram, they did a, like, a little birthday party, if you will, at Pops, where him and, uh, Cole Sprouse and Lily Reinhardt were in a booth in costume, and they had 
I can't remember if it was a cake or like a banana split or something, but they all sang happy birthday to him and it was really sweet. But again, if you didn't listen to um, the season two, episode 10 episode or podcast because you know, you're getting caught up or whatever, the one that we talked about then, um, it was a really good one. So KJ Appa posted about being really homesick because, you know, he's halfway around the world from New Zealand where he's from. And so Skeet's comment was, second family stepping in now with an armplex emoji. It was adorable. Um, I'll go ahead and post that as this week's um, cover image too for no reason other than it's just really adorable. So um, I hope you clicked on the right one. You didn't get spoiled a season two. Um, it's short, but oh, so sweet. And I love me some skeet. All right, guys, I think that's it for today. If you have any suggestions for most Archie moment or Skeet's dad groom corner or any other segment, you can reach out to me at Cherie04 on Twitter and Instagram, and that's C-H-E-R-I-E-E-04. Or you can email me at realhousewivesofriverdale.com, and I will respond and probably mention you on the pod. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. It helps other people find our safe space for adult fans of this trashy teen show. It's super easy to rate and review now with uh, the iOS 11 if you have an iPhone. Um, All you have to do is just go to, like, your library where you've already subscribed to us, of course, and then you just scroll down a little bit and you can rate and review right there. So you don't have to go to the App Store or iTunes Store anymore. It's it's really, really easy now. Um, So I'm going to trust you guys to do that. Um, all right, well, see you either later this week when we discuss Season 2, Episode 11, The Wrestler, or next week when I go over Season 1, Episode 5, Heart of Darkness. Later days, kids!